The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional medical or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. Welcome back. Welcome back. To another Here we are again. Another episode of Biopsychosocial. I'm Jordan. I'm a therapist. I'm a why do I keep saying Jordan? I'm a therapist. Literally not what I do. I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for 10 years. And I'm Kayla, a submarine scientist. It was us. It wasn't us. <laughs> it was not us. I was working on a different project at the time. <laughs> I was I have an alibi. Everybody knows where I was. You do have two video game controllers that are, oddly enough, nicer than the ones used on the submersible. Yes, I wouldn't use a Logitech controller even on my Xbox. So we've done a lot of fun things this month. We went to a Renaissance fair, everybody. Yes, we did. We had a lot of fun. We had the best time. Mm -hmm. People are really nice. Yes. Everybody was neurospicy. Everyone was very interesting. I we love and so were we. So we loved that you did some archery. I did, and I was pretty bad, which is, it checks out. Like, I've never been good at archery, so. Which is fine. And the ladies that were running the booth were very supportive. They were very nice. They were very, very nice. They were hilarious. I got my face painted. Uh-huh. Yes. By that TikTok lady. By, by Candy Face by Jenna. Or uh, Face I, I always get it screwed up, and I love her. Yes, and she was adorable and lovely. And we, we drank a lot of mead. Yes. Um, we had bee stings, which is half mead and half hard cider, and it was delicious and it was bourbon aged too yes it was bourbon barrels i love anything that's aged in a bourbon barrel so we had a great time and we dressed up and people kept calling us fairies so we 100 percent recommend doing that and we're gonna go to another we're gonna go to another one because we had the best time Um, and i went to emo night which is exactly what it sounds like so if you're an elder emo like me it's just like flashback to your high school years where, because I remember going to sh- quote unquote shows is what we called them. Oh, yeah, we did. In like Knights of Columbus and, you know, all of those like local venues and stuff like that. And it, it was exactly like that. It was a very small venue with a good number of people there. There was a mosh pit. Gotta love it. Um, emo Night is done by, it's Emo Night Brooklyn. So they do, you know, a lot of events obviously in the city, but they tour around a little bit as well. So they came up to Connecticut. And I went with one of my friends, and it was a lot of fun. I did not go because I was having dinner with my dad and my husband, which was also a lot of fun. We went somewhere where they had fresh pasta, and the company was lovely. And we did actually talk about emo night. <laughs> I would definitely go again. 10 out of 10, would recommend. Um, so also, we took a... Well, we spaced out this episode a little bit because we watched a series rather than a single episode on things. Yes. And we work a lot, so it it took longer to watch it. We're busy. Yeah, and my attention spans that of a goldfish. So we watched the series The Curious Case of Natalia Grace. And I always like to say this to people. It is on HBO. It's on Max. It's on HBO Max anymore because people bought things. It came out this year. There are six episodes and they are 42 minutes each. I like to know that going in. So it it wasn't, it took us a longer time than normal to watch. Mm -hmm. 
I can't watch more than one episode of anything at one time. No, I binged like the first four, I, I think, three or four, because it was really interesting. It is really interesting, but I also want to be able to digest it. And I feel like I can't if I binge it. Like I did, I did have to use a fidget a couple of times when I was mm-hmm. watching it. But I did really like it, and it was really interesting. I took a lot of notes. I took no notes, because I didn't feel like I needed to. You could, yeah, you could. I need, I need notes. And I feel I'm, like it's yeah. very cut and dry. It is. Honestly. I did it because I was having a hard time keeping dates straight. So, Natalia, great. You want to do a little intro? Yeah, so this case was about a little girl who was adopted by a family. The little girl's name, obviously, is Natalia Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, she was, came over here from Ukraine, not the Ukraine, as they kept saying, that is not correct. It's you, Ukraine. Yeah. They're an independent nation. The America. And, and her name was Natasha when she was born, by the way, her name was not Natalia. Right, Natasha. I don't know why they Americanized that. It's not like Natasha's, I mean, that's. It's not like Natalia's that American either. Right. Exactly. Like, I don't know. Bizarre. Anyways, she was adopted by this family who already had three boys And they felt like they were financially in a position to welcome another child in. But for some reason, they didn't want another biological child. I think they they said that they were they were feeling very like generous, essentially, was the vibe that I got. They're upper white middle class Jesus. Yes. I mean, the focus in the first probably like 20 minutes of the episode, um, Michael was talking about the huge house he lived in, the nice neighborhood, the five different cars, the vacations that they took. It was all like, we had money. We had money. So naturally, we wanted to do something nice for somebody who didn't have anything. Which is weird. Let me do the family tree right quick. So this takes place in Westfeld, Indiana, one of the middle states, which as we're finding out is where a lot of bad shit goes down. Parents are Michael and Christine Barnett. They have three sons, Jacob, Wesley, and Ethan. Jacob is the oldest. He is the only one that appears in the documentary. He is on the autism spectrum. He's an actual angel. Yeah, his his account of this was one of the only ones that I mostly trusted. Mostly. I could tell that there was a little tinge of influence in there, but um, he spoke a lot through his traumatic experiences. He did. Adjacent to Natalia's. He did, and he... It could have, and it could have been because he's on the autism spectrum. His account was very, it was cut and dry. It was very black and white. And it was very like, matter of fact, this is what happened. I have to say that I could tell that he had been in therapy though. Oh, the yeah. way that he talked about things, oh, yeah. which good for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they're wealthy and very performative. I wrote that in my notes. Michael struck me as very, very, very throughout theater this kid. whole thing. The, not even, no, we're theater kids. This is like theater kids on crack. These were the... Do you remember when we were in high school and they were like us, theater kids? Yeah. And then there were some of them that were like, please stop being so cringy in public. Michael was one of those that was just like cringy I might in public. Cringy in public. Um, <laughs> no, it was not you. I know I'm thinking of. It wasn't you. me? No. But it, it's like, what are, you, what are you doing, buddy? What are you trying to prove? It was very, it was very peaks and valleys. Yeah, we were crying and we were screaming and... We were loud and... A little maybe personality disorder. It was giving. Territory. Yeah, it was weird. So he was really performative. And Christine had an in-home daycare for special needs kids. And they were... They've really leaned into their oldest son uh, being on the spectrum and 
wrote books and did talks and Jacob ended up, the oldest son ended up going to college at a really young age, which was like I 14. don't agree with at all. No, they recruited him, I think, to a college in Canada yeah. for physics, math, something like that. Something. Something with numbers that I can't do. Yeah, the, the whiteboard behind him had a lot of, <laughs> yeah, had a lot of formulas and equations on it. Um, and it was really sad because he was living in Michael's basement when the documentary took place. He was only like 19, I think, when they filmed it. I have a hard time with people's ages, and we'll get to that in a minute. Why? Um, um, no, but he was really young, which nowadays is pretty normal for someone true. to even up to their 30s. To it was a basement basement. Why couldn't he stay upstairs? Maybe he didn't want to. I, I, I wouldn't want to live upstairs. <laughs> Immediately, no. I'm like, can I get a roommate? Not him. <laughs> That's a good point. I'll live in the shed. <laughs> I'll live in the basementy basement. That's a really good point. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yep. No running water. That's fine. Yep. So they wanted to do a nice thing for the less fortunate. Cue the photo opportunities. They took a lot of pictures of her in front of an American flag at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of that, you know? There was a lot of that. Yes. So I wrote Jacob as a cellar dweller in my notes. So they adopted Natalia, who is a little person, and they adopted her out of an adoption agency in Florida, Red Flag. Yeah, I was in the strip mall. I don't really know much about adopting children except from the state, right? Like you can foster and then adopt children from the state, which feels like a pretty legitimate avenue to adopt children, but domestically. Yeah. Right, which... Overseas documentaries, um, documentary adoptions are... I have a lot of feelings about it, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Especially because we have so many children right here that need and deserve foster care loving yeah. homes and a lot of a lot of people they have in it i've looked on on state website in our state and they have pictures of kids like you're adopted like with like you're adopting a dog it, like yeah. you're adopting a dog and so many of them are minorities yes. um a lot with uh, mental illness um special needs it's just like Come on, if you want to do the right thing for somebody... Right in your own community. Right in your own community. I'm not saying, you know, I'm a big believer in that we live in a global community. We sure. should help, you know, we should help everybody. I hate when people say, I want to help my own kind. It, it's also not it's like also Ukraine like, is a third world country. I no, mean, there are well-off no. people there that could have adopted Exactly, her, you know? exactly. Stop. Yeah, don't give me that. Anyway, so they atop, adopt, adopt Natalia... According to Michael, called her mom, called the mommy and daddy right away. According to Michael. According to Michael, which could be either a lie because I don't really believe much of anything this dude says, or trauma response. Yes, we'll get to that. We'll get to yes. that. Um, Actually, I'm going to take out my little baby DSM in preparation for oh, that. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I've got my phone. If we have to look stuff up, so Natalia. What they were told, Natalia was six when they adopted her. Yes, six years old. Which I gathered that it was almost like, so when a dog or cat is brought into a shelter, they estimate the age based on the teeth, the health of the teeth yeah. and, and the body. And my vet told me, because when I adopted Clover, I was told that she was about one and a half. She's over here. And my vet was like, yeah, that's like right smack dab in the middle of where they usually estimate, which is between a year and three years if they're young. Yeah. Because they, they can't pinpoint it. No. And so essentially, when a child comes here, this is what I understand, when a child comes here from another country, they're not like looking at their teeth the same way they looked at Clover's teeth, which no. by the way, she doesn't have many anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they estimate the age yeah. to some degree. So they may be off, but when they're off, it's usually by a year or two, just a like year or two. with Clover, it was probably off by a year or so. 
which is more common than you would think, especially with immigration. I've had patients that are, that came here closer to the turn of the century. And again, birth years are off by a couple of years. Back then, birthdays also weren't really that important. No. So, and especially in certain cultures like Eastern Europe, where my Mm -hmm. family is from, they don't, it's not a big deal. Or it wasn't, back then it wasn't a big deal. In Judaism, your American birthday is not a big deal. Yeah, you're... Your Jewish birthday or your birthday within the faith is more of a big deal, but an American birthday is not so much a big deal. I follow Miriam on TikTok, you can tell. So they're estimating she is about six. So everything is hunky-dory until Christine gives her a bath. Right, and Christine discovers that she has pubic hair. So she's supposed to be six years old. Right. So, which, need I remind all of us, the youngest person ever to give birth was four. So puberty theoretically could happen that young my grandmother used to scare me with a story about a girl that she knew that got her period at age eight i mean younger and younger nowadays (laughs) younger and younger people are hitting puberty yeah hitting puberty who knows what the heck she was exposed to and also so if she was if they were two years off and she was eight years old that is a reasonable that is reasonable that is early but that is still reasonable puberty starts around eight nine ten ish my Complete, well, not completely uneducated, but my guess without talking to Natalia or like getting to know her or looking at her records or anything like that was that she was about nine instead of six, so that they were three years off. Sure. Which I'm not sure if that tracked because I don't know what year they adopted her. 2003 was the year she was born, was the year she was born. So they, I think they adopted her 2009, 2010. Is okay. when is when they adopted her. So for her to be eight, nine, it's reasonable. Mm-hmm. And the way that she behaved, probably an eight-year-old. Lo and behold, um, they find out after a little while later that Natalia got a period. Ages eight to fourteen is normal to start puberty. Yeah. So she could have been nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she could have been around nine years old. Nine to her. And the symptoms are inconsistent with the type of dwarfism she has. Because I was thinking about that, too. Because if right. there could be some sort of a hormonal imbalance, if she um, had dwarfism, would that change when she would hit puberty? And not really. So, yeah, Natalia was born in Ukraine. Um, didn't know a lot about her culture. But, again, is she going to... How many I mean, kids if she was about indeed three years old when she left, why would she have anything beyond, like, a cursory understanding of language, first of all? Mm-hmm. Second of all... The whole process is very traumatic. So Mm -hmm. the idea that a child at three years old would be uprooted from their home and their family, come to a completely different country, a completely different culture, would be totally understandable to me that as a trauma response, they might not even talk at all. And the amount that people retain accents varies from person to person. I know people that have come over here when they were children, they don't have much of an accent. Right. And it also depends on what type of education that you were given, uh, what kind of support. And also, where are you from? Do you have, right. do you, are you from a country that t- people typically have thick accents? It doesn't, it varies. Right. And for, and then they had like somebody from Ukraine come up and talk to her. She didn't understand and she was freaked out by it, which she might not have happy memories from living in Ukraine. We know that Ukraine hasn't always been a stable country. No. And to be uprooted from somewhere. At thanks a really to Russia. Yeah, thanks to Russia. Russia. Assholes. <laughs> And also, if it was a language that she didn't understand, of course she'd be freaked out. If someone walked up to you and started speaking in another language and was expecting you to know what they were saying. As someone who I've tried to learn, my grandfather was from the Czech Republic, and so I've tried to learn Czech, which is pretty similar to Ukrainian. It's Mm -hmm. Cyrillic, 
it's very hard because it's really different from English. Right. So if you're fluent in English already, I could understand being like, the fuck are you saying to me? And it's a really sharp language, yes. too. Ahoy. Ahoy. Dobrita. Dobrita. That's all we know. And Michael claims after they started talking about the Ukraine more and, you know, started questioning if she... I'm oh, sorry, Ukraine. Thank you. <laughs> they. It's all over my notes because they said it. Yeah. That's the... It was referred to as the Ukraine when it was still part of the USSR. Yes. So it's a, it's a big deal to, well, I don't know. I don't want to speak for Ukrainian people, but I would imagine, especially now, it's a big deal to call them Ukraine because they're an independent nation. That makes sense. Yes. Michael said that there was a disconnect after that point, And he said Natalia had changed. She changed. Her personality changed. Her too. personality changed, which could very well be. Also, I don't believe him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either of them, really. Not really. They didn't really present themselves as reliable. They, not a reliable narrator. Yes. They said she was putting bodily fluids on the other children's beds. Uh, they had said that she was, I don't know if you, because you're, you're the one who's got the order of everything. Yeah. But there was one story that Jacob told that she was defecating and urinating or she was defecating and like smearing it on him in the car and yes. urinating on him as well, yes. which there are two different diagnoses. Encopresis is one where you withhold defecation until like very specific moments and you might defecate on yourself on purpose. And uresis is the same, but with urine. Major red flags for sexual abuse mm. because it's a way of children. And I'm not saying that this was or wasn't what happened, no. you know, or what she was doing, but like defecating or urinating on yourself is a way to keep your abuser away from you it's if true. you're being sexually assaulted. Yeah, yeah, it's a deterrent. She was destroying belongings. Um, they said she was hiding knives, saying she was going to kill the family. Yes. And she was pouring, she poured a cleaning solution into Christine's tea. Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. Which, how did she, how would she have known that that would kill her? You know what I mean? I don't like, know. I don't know. The six-year-olds are the ones that you have to worry about drinking them themselves because they're like, oh, blue liquid. It probably tastes like blue raspberry. Or it was lemon-flavored and had a lemon on it. Right. I have mixed, like, uh, liquid fertilizer in my closet, but it's in a sparkling water bottle because I just reused it. And every time I go in there, there's, like, a a fraction of a second where I'm like, let me take a sip of that. And you're like, ooh, sparkling, nope. (laughs) Which is why it's on a high shelf away from where children could reach it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, not to blame them necessarily, but like if you have children, you should have child safety locks and things. Yeah, you don't keep have your cleaning. It out. Yeah, keep your cleaning shit. supplies. And they had three other children. They right. didn't know about. They called the adoption agency. They met with therapists. They diagnosed her as a sociopath, which we know is not appropriate to diagnose. If true, children. that piece of information was enraging to me. If the therapist really said that, that was extremely unethical and irresponsible Mm -hmm. because the parents, and you can tell this when you're a therapist, the parents were likely looking for information like that to take it and run. Yeah. Oh, now I can justify mistreating this child because she's a sociopath. Which mental health diagnosis is not a reason to mistreat anybody. No, and and I have a feeling that it's a lie anyways because any therapist worth their salt would be like, "This, this kid is traumatized. This is a trauma response. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like even no insult to like new grads, but even a new grad could tell you that. It's it's not very difficult information. You're not supposed to diagnose. Yeah, you can't diagnose diagnosis. Well, technically you can diagnose a child with uh, conduct disorder. Sure. But it's my opinion, again, 
She's not my client. I don't know anything about her besides the information that was presented to me in this documentary, but it doesn't seem like she was a sociopath or had antisocial personality disorder or conduct disorder. No. Conduct disorder is like, I'm lighting shit on fire so that I can laugh about it later. It's really like self-gain at the expense of others. No, she, it always seemed like, also, they filmed this kid so often. Yes, and I think they were gathering evidence. Uh, yeah. Or what they thought was evidence. a small child, yeah. Which the, was creepy. It wasn't, she wasn't getting kicks out of it. It seemed like she was trying to keep herself safe. She looked scared. She did look scared. Videos. Yeah, because they're also like... Which we need to fucking stop doing, by the way. I know. We need to stop filming everything children do, A, and B, putting it on the internet everywhere. But that's right. a story for another that's, time. That's another story for another day. So that's where they leave off on the first episode. And, all right, episode two, orphan or imposter. So where we left off is Natalia is allegedly threatening her family. They took her to, like, a stress center, and they were told to lock her in her room. Again, this is not... Fuel for the fire. Yeah. Yeah. And also, do we think that's what they actually said? Right. But then they had, like, interview sound clips from people who worked at the, the stress center. Or was it the inpatient hospital that they left I think her it was at? the inpatient hospital. So they brought her to an inpatient hospital to kind of essentially leave her there. Which, technically, if, if, a, person or a, chi- if a person was a sociopath or a child with head conduct disorder, that might be the best course of action to keep everyone safe. Sure. And the interview clips that they had from these people were saying that she was offering sexual favors to the men who worked there which again if you have someone in front of you who is allegedly six seven eight years old and mm-hmm. is offering sexual favors to grown men why wouldn't the first thing that comes to your head be trauma 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 sexually abused trauma like why does a child that young even know what sex is exactly somebody had to tell her and i'm not saying that it's the Barnett's, the people that adapted Oh, her, no, no. And I don't think it was. I don't think it was either. That's not the implication that I'm making. No. Nor am I Im- implying that it was her mo- her biological mother. I mean, mm-hmm. who, what I'm saying is that it likely happened. We don't know where or when. And she may not even know. She might not even remember. And they said she presented as an adult. And is it because she had that sexual knowledge? Right. To me, you would assume she was a child because she's documented as being a child. So it is a child being sexually explicit or sexually aggressive. Right. DCF gets called by a neighbor because all this fucked up shit was happening. Uh, and Christine took her bedroom away. Did they say what neighbor called? Was it the lady they interviewed? Yeah. Yeah. Because she was like... <laughs> so, oh, no, I think... In. Wasn't it because they left her outside on the porch? Oh, yeah, because they took away her bedroom. Yep, they locked her outside. They showed her her naturalization papers, and Natalia didn't recognize herself, which... She could have blocked it out. I mean, yeah. if, if you had never seen baby pictures of yourself, would you recognize yourself? I mean, we don't, I don't look the same as I did when I was a baby. I <laughs> Vaguely, do. maybe. I do. She was given a new birthday when she was naturalized, which is, again, not uncommon. Right. And they found her family's name. Anagava was her mom. I can get more on the dates on that later. Which so- <laughs> sounds like a first name. Anagava. Like Madonna. She's Anagava. Anagava. Anna Space Gava. They did some interviews with some little people that almost adopted her. Yeah, uh, according to these folks, was it Christine or was it the family? I think it was a family that had Natalia before. Yes. So Natalia was with a different family first mm-hmm. before she came to be with the Barnetts. And according to the folks that were interviewed, this first family took her to like a, a little people convention where people can, you know, meet each other. And, Which is fine. Yeah. Uh, form like support systems sure. and friendships. And stuff like that. Yeah. Any The reason you go to a con, right? Yeah. 
And she was essentially, this, wo- this woman was trying to pawn Natalia off on these couples of little people who... Yeah, that was weird. And, of course, these folks were like, yeah, if we can take her, we will take her. Yeah. But it was really fishy to them. They were like, the woman told them that it was going to cost them, like, $30,000 or something like that. And they were like, what? Which might have been what they paid for her True. from the shysty, because international adoptions fee. They're very expensive. expensive. Yeah. So we're. Most of that is most, legal fees. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, we want to break even on this. Right. 30 grand. Which I mean, I guess I don't, I'm not surprised. I mean, that's a lot of money to be out of, but like, we're talking about selling a child. Yeah, we're talking about people here. Yes. Yeah, that gives me the yikes. Like, get your money back by suing someone. I don't know. <laughs> Don't get it back by selling a child. Well, don't don't get all white saviory and adopt a kid then. How about that? There's a YouTube family that probably needs to hear that because they, this is a tangent. I don't remember what the family's name we is, but it's tangent. one of those like family blog channels that Ugh. shouldn't exist. And they went to, I think, adopt a baby boy from, I want to say Thailand. Mm-hmm. But Thailand has a very strict rule that in the first year of adoption, you're not allowed to film the child and put it on the internet anywhere okay um and so they didn't want him anymore because they couldn't use him for content and they had a very tearful video saying that it was some other reason of course we have to give him back like we no, well they didn't they never they never had Adopted. him okay they just kind of canceled the adoption oh and people God. were like we see right through you so people do these things it's not like unheard I don't of like people yeah people suck people suck um, and we're going to get into some really sucky shit right now. So we might have to make this a two-parter. I know. I was going to say, this might be a two-parter. Let's get through section three, the nightmare neighbor, and then okay. see where we're at. And then right. this might be a part, this might be a two-parter. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the nightmare neighbor. So the Barnetts were like, something ain't right here. We need to get her age changed. Yes. Which I don't understand but go ahead. So the judge claims, so this was, I got to do math. Her new birth year was 1989 from 2003. Which I was born in 1989. Yes. So what year were you? <laughs> and I was born in 1990. So this was in 2011. They had her birth year change. So I was 21, 22. They were saying that she's our age. And she was actually, what, like 14 or something like that? She was really young. Um, so they moved her your age up. She, she would have been years. eight. Yeah. That math ain't mathin'. So the judge basically said, well, you stop growing when you're 18. She hasn't grown in four years. Sound logic by someone who has no medical experience. No, no, it was, it was decreed by a judge. There was no medical experience. I would imagine, I feel like that should have been a requirement that there was some sort of medical examination because there's gotta be some way that you can age some medically. Um, there is actually, they did talk to a physician and they said she still had growth plates. Yes. That's what it was. Because I remember them talking to the physician and being like, so you're, you guys are just going to come out here and lie because she's not, uh, she's not an adult. No, she still has growth plates. Yes. Um, And that's what he said to the lawyer. He was like, sir, you don't have any growth plates anymore. You're an adult. She does. I, and you have growth plates until you're in the middle of your teenage years. Yes. Yeah, I broke a growth plate when I was 13. <laughs> it really friggin' hurt. Where? My ankle. Ooh. I, I feel like I, I did something to one of mine in my foot. It hurts really. Yeah, I was casting But it couldn't have stuff. been that bad because, because they didn't want my leg. Grew. They didn't want one leg to stop growing. It, it got fixed. 
And that was yeah, the start the, of Michael Troubles. But this guy, this physician that they were talking to was, like, furious because they were essentially telling him, like, everything you know is wrong. And he was like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Good for him. Yes. Good for him. So, since they had a card-carrying adult on their hands, apparently, they got her her own apartment in 2019. So she would have been 16. Yes. Was it? I thought she was supposed to be 13. I thought she was 13, too. So maybe it was earlier. Maybe it was earlier. 16 to 2016. 2016. Could have been. Anyway. So they got her an apartment when she was 100% a minor. So, yes. for, so she, they would have... By the 1989, she would have had to have been 18. So it could have been in 2017. So she was like, a, she was a young teenager. So they, they talked to all the neighbors. Bless them. By all accounts, she was overly friendly, overly attached, got attached very quickly. Essentially, what all of the neighbors said was that she had very poor hygiene. She was very childlike. She was playing with kids, little yeah. kids. She didn't know how to do things on her own. Like she didn't know how to when to take out the garbage. She didn't have groceries. She didn't, which, you know, when I was 13, 14, I wouldn't have been able to figure that shit out. No. I mean, I knew I had to shower regularly. But that's right. But if, if she was born into a traumatic environment right. and basically she's been staving off these assholes, she probably didn't learn. Which, by the way, another response, trauma response for school abuse is not showering for the same reason as ankylosis and uresis. Anything that she's been through in her life could have caused a developmental delay. So here's what I wanted to read to you, the diagnosis that away, I was thinking of after they talked to the neighbors. Mm-hmm. So reactive attachment disorder, which is common in children who, ha- who have been adopted. And I by no means want to imply that all children who right. are adopted or are up for adoption have this, uh, because that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have to say that our system, at least the system that I know in the state of Connecticut, through the state of Connecticut, if you adopt children, they oftentimes, when children are coming from traumatic backgrounds, they will foster them with especially trained families so like therapeutic foster homes essentially i'm not 100 percent sure but i believe one of the supervisors i used to work with might have been a because she was a therapist and she had adopted children but we had some kids that were in therapeutic homes and these families were lovely like were really really great to these kids they put in a lot of work they do do that yeah so reactive attachment disorder a consistent pattern of inhibited, emotionally withdrawn behavior toward adult caregivers manifested by both of the following. The child child rarely or minimally seeks comfort when distressed. The child rarely or minimally responds to comfort when distressed. Persistent social and emotional disturbance characterized by at least two of the following. Minimal social and emotional responsiveness to others, limited positive affect, episodes of unexplained irritability, sadness, or fearfulness that are evident even during non-threatening interactions with adult caregivers. The child has experienced a pattern of extremes and insufficient care as evidenced by at least one of the following. Social neglect or deprivation, repeated changes of primary caregivers that limit opportunities to form stable attachments, uh, rearing in unusual settings that severely limit opportunities to form selective attachments, such as institutions with high high child to caregiver ratios. The second one that came to mind, which is a totally separate diagnosis, the child would either have reactive attachment disorder, RAD, or this one, which is disinhibited social engagement disorder. I don't think you would really have both. A pattern of behavior which a child actively approaches and interacts with unfamiliar adults and exhibits at least two of the following. Reduced or absent reticence in approaching and interacting with unfamiliar adults, overly familiar verbal or physical behavior, diminished or absent checking back with adult caregiver after venturing away, even in unfamiliar settings, willingness to go off with an unfamiliar adult with minimal or no hesitation. And 
experienced a pattern of extremes and insufficient care, same as before, neglect, disruption in like primary caregivers, things like that. So essentially like children who are set up to fail. Right. Because of a lack of emotional compassion, a lack of uh, providing basic needs, things like that. Um, so if you've ever been out in public and now you've got friendly kids, like you've got extroverted sure. kids, that's one thing. But if you have a kid that comes up to you and starts to be really friendly or is looking for a hug or something like that, that's not a good sign. <laughs> no. And you may be a lovely and compassionate person that's like, oh, you know, like, where's your mom? <laughs> or like, hey. where's your dad? <laughs> uh, let's make sure we find them before I give you a hug and make sure it's okay. <laughs> like, Because this isn't not normal behavior. I had a little girl come up to me when I was working JCPenney. Oh. As, a, as a kid, I was like 16, 17 years old, and she wanted me to hold her hand and follow her somewhere. And I was like, is she in danger? So I did, and she just brought me back to her mom. And you're like, and I was Hello. like, maybe she wanted to just show me, like, this is my mom. And I was like, this is your child. Can you please look after her? This is your child who came up to me, thankfully. Yes. And thankfully. you were in your red eyeshadow phase. <laughs> so <laughs> I was in my emo phase you're in your emo phase i i saw something somewhere where they said where people tell kids if you ever get lost go find a goth mom go find a goth mom it's not bad advice it's not no yeah so the neighbors finally got worried for her well-being and thank goodness called dcf called protective services at that point though oh no they came dcf came because Mm -hmm. they were like this is obviously a child yep and then they discovered that DCF allegedly had no jurisdiction because legally she was an adult, which was really great news for the Barnetts. Exactly. But couldn't, I was thinking, couldn't they, because she was a disabled person, she was a disabled person, couldn't they have, not well, DCF, it would have been adult protect, protective, adult services, protective services. Which, have. unfortunately, around here, they don't do much. I yeah, no. So that was like my only thought, like when it gotten turned over to adult protective services, maybe it was, and maybe they just couldn't do anything. So they were worried for well-being called DCF. Lo and behold, the Barnett start buying her food. And, and they wiped her phone. Wiped her phone, which is really bizarre behavior. That is really bizarre behavior because she got DCF's contact. Right, but all of her contacts. All of so her contacts. That's very abusive behavior. And then he took her phone. And he was like yelling at her about these donuts she had. Who bought you these donuts? Where'd you get these donuts from? my neighbor she's like i'm literally 13 i want donuts like who gives a shit she's like it's for my neighbor and he's like why did she give you donuts she she went to be nice when i first moved in one of my neighbors brought me like some sweet bread yeah absolutely. i mean it's it's what you do and this is the midwest people are all about the hospitality over there both of my neighbors leave me produce on my back yeah yes that's why it's I a neighborly thing to do yes yeah, and it's a close in proximity community. So we wiped her contacts. Natalia becomes more intrusive to the neighbors, which makes sense if she has no contacts. And then she was sneaking into people's the neighbors' houses and waiting for them to come home. Again, and, that over, overly familiar. Yeah. Like, I would walk into your house if you were home. I would but not yours, like yeah. your neighbor's house. No. <laughs> no. Who I've met like once or twice. Yeah, and they would let you. They're nice people, but you wouldn't do that. It would be weird. It would be weird. And Natalia called 911 on herself because she was having homicidal ideations and accusing herself of stalking. So she knew that blows the idea of sociopath out the freaking window. Right, exactly. Because she's like, I don't like how I am feeling. Right, she had that awareness as well as like a sense of guilt or remorse. Right. Um, And she was also sexually explicit toward children which is not okay 
Not okay, and even adult, if she not, was a child. Yeah, both not okay. And But again, a red flag. Yes, and to nobody's surprise, her lease didn't get renewed. So I think we should do two parts. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a good idea. We're about at 40 minutes. 40 minutes. About all water. About all water. We will be back to do part two. Natalia is going to go to the seedy part of town. Allegedly. The allegedly. Part of town. Well, no, not allegedly. It was it the seedy part, part of, of town. town. Even the people who lived there were like, this is this the seedy part, part of town. town. <laughs> so are we going to do our usual outro? Oh, I thought um, we were going to do questions. Oh, yeah. Let's do questions. What's a question Kayla can ask Jordan? Jordan, let's get creative. Oh, my. Everybody's so creative. <laughs> If you had to organize a whodunit mystery party with true crime legends as suspects, who would be the guests and what unique clue would each one leave behind at the crime scene? Like, who would be the the whodunit? Like, who would be the guilty person? True crime legends as suspects. So, us, obviously. <laughs> so I don't know would, why the first thing that came to mind was Bonnie and Clyde. That would be good, too. No, we would be like, oh my god, it would be an Olsen and Olsen mystery theme. <laughs> And the who stole the great hope diamond? Who killed the dinosaurs? And the and it would be the um, it would be the VHS tapes. It would be like the clues hidden around the house. Okay. We had to open up the VHS tapes to figure it out. Okay. Okay, that's such a good idea. What would yours be? Mine would be I would pick like people from different genres of crime. Oh. So like one of the suspects would be. Name a gangster. I don't know. Al Capone. Al Capone. And the signature would be something Al Capone did. A suit. A cigar. <laughs> I don't know. A pinstripe suit. <laughs> One of them would be like John Wayne Gacy. And the, the, the signature clue would be a clown nose. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, One of them would be... What's the... Elizabeth Holmes. One of them would be Elizabeth oh. Holmes. I don't know what the clue would be. Maybe like a black turtleneck because she thought that she was Steve Jobs. Oh, she yeah, talks like this. And she, that's not her she real got voice. A black, she got a black turtleneck in that photo. Maybe, maybe the clue would be a voice changer. <laughs> of course, I have the most wholesome party that ever was. And you have the actual murderers. <laughs> yes. Um, let's just do one question for now since we are going to do a part two. Okay. So where would one find us? One would find us on the Instagram at... BioPsychPod or Facebook at BioPsychosocial, a podcast. Fuck Twitter. You can join us on Patreon. One dollar per shout out. Oh, let's shout out our patrons. Jay, Beth, Beth, Brian, Alexis, and and Jill. Jill. Hello. Thank you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.